We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Good morning, everyone. Easter. Easter. I'm going uh, to actually read today from some verses that we read last week. If you would, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And the title of our, our lesson today, I'm, I'm actually going to start a series. Uh, the title of the series is going to be, It's Time to Step Up. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about various things, about what that means. It's not that we're not doing things, but it's time to step up. You know, if you've ever been, you know, watch a lot of uh, uh, baseball, and if you ever watch them, you know, it'll come to its bottom of the ninth, and it's tied four to four, and so a coach will look at a particular player that, you know, he wants to pinch hit, and he says, okay, it's time to step up. What is he telling him? We need a run. And so it's not that the team was playing bad. It's not that anything. But, some, and, you know, and, and I think God is telling us it's time to step up. You know, God's ready for you to start hitting some home runs, ready for you to start bringing the, the team home to, to win it, to, to the victory. So, Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. We're going to read verses 19 through 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I want you to just let that scripture sink in. The body, the fullness of him, the all in all. Just let that sink in a minute. There's... Listen, there's a secret, and we're going to talk about in this next series, we're going to talk about several things. But the main thing, you know, we, you've heard us talk about, we've had, we've had preaching here, and we've had teaching about, you know, we live far below what God's expectation is for us. We live far below as Christians of where we ought to be living as Christians. We're, we're not in that place as the church yet, and we live below the arena that God wants us to be in. You know, it's one thing to participate in the game. It's another thing to watch it from the stands. You can get an excitement from the stands, right? You ever been in a, you know, we got excited last night watching a basketball game and seeing this final crazy shot. There was an excitement. You feel it, but you know what? Short-lived because, you know what, I, I wasn't even at the game. I wasn't, I wasn't even part of the game. But there, and so that's the thing. I think what we have to realize today is the church – has been in this arena of been been we've been watching the game, and I'm talking about the church as a whole. And so here's the amazing thing: <clears throat> the last three or four Sundays, the things that I have preached, and this has nothing to do with me. It's what God is doing. Lo and behold, we find uh, there's another channel listens to some different people, and here's a preacher that preached the exact same thing that we don't even know. And we don't, but it's not about us. It's about what God's doing. So I'm convinced that this thing we're going into now, we're going to start hearing it everywhere. So what we want to t begin talking about is, is walking in, in authority and victory in the kingdom of God. We really don't, uh, I think it's the church as a whole, understand what it means to walk in the authority of God and walk in the victory of God, walk in the power of God. I, I, you know, we've heard it preached and we've heard it taught, and 
but I, there's an understanding I believe God's leading us, leading us into uh, that's going to cause something great to happen in the overall church around the world. Now, it's a, it's a secret to a lot of people about walking in uh, authority and victory in the kingdom of God, and it's a secret to many Christians. And why it's a secret is because uh, many Christians are either unaware or uninvolved in the kingdom. That's why it's a secret. It's not a secret like we hold something nobody else does. It's a secret about walking in authority because we're unaware or we're uninvolved. It's a secret to walking in the power because we're either unaware or we're not involved. And so uh, the, the, the satisfaction of status quo uh, until something major happens or an apop- apop- apocalyptic thing happens in our life can't be the driving force of walking in authority. Many people want to walk in the authority and the power of God. They want to search out the power of God. They want the will of God. They want the blessing of God. They want the healing of God. They want all these things when something apocalyptic happens to them. Otherwise, they're not walking. You know, we, we just talked about the, the, the effectual fervent prayer and what we saw when, when there was an effectual fervent prayer when Bishop had his episode and what, what was accomplished in that effectual fervent prayer. Fervency is something very. Fervency is emergency. Fervency is is now. Fervency is God. We you know God, this is serious. Fervency is this is important. And so that that's the kind of prayer that we, you know as we gathered and prayed for him. And and I know Ivana prayed and the church prayed and 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 I said it. You know I didn't mean to embarrass him, but you you want to see the you want to see some of you are here, some of you aren't. Do you want to see the result of an effectual fervent prayer? We're not trying to build Bishop up here, but understand something. He's here because of the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous. He, that's why he's here. The, your effectual and fervent prayer, God, listen, when you get fervent with God, it's not that God doesn't hear you all the time, but you'll see in Scripture when there were those people who got fervent with God, God tuned his ear to them. Like, you know what? They mean it. They mean it. And so this walking in authority and power has a lot to do with that. And we'll talk about it actually in another lesson. You know, it, it's usually at this apocalyptic time in our life where people begin to look for answers when they should already have the solution. A lot of times things major happen in our lives, and now we're starting to look for the answer. God, what's the answer when we should already know the solution? What's, what's the solution to everything? Who's the solution to everything? Right, right. But what happens when some major things happen? It's because we don't understand the authority and power we're walking in. It's the authority you're supposed to be operating in as a child of God and as the citizen of this kingdom. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You understand that kingdoms, there was the Babylonian kingdom. So there was the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. But he wasn't the only dude in, ba- in Babylon. There were citizens in Babylon. And if you were a citizen of Babylon, then you were entitled to all that Nebuchadnezzar would give you as the king. Now, I know I'm using a pagan thing, but listen, we live in a pagan society. Whether we like it, believe it or not, we're in a pagan society. But understand this, you're a citizen of a kingdom. This just happens to be God's kingdom. And I would rather be a citizen of God's kingdom than Nebuchadnezzar's or any pagan kingdom. But what happens is we're living in God's kingdom, but we're operating in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. We're living in God's kingdom, but we're operating. What do you mean by that? 
in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, everybody operated according to his will, Nebuchadnezzar. Understand something that's about the church. God has a will for the church, and God wants us to operate in his will for the church. So let's, let's, keep, let's, let's keep going. Satan runs rampant to and fro. We, scripture tells us that. The problem is he's running to and fro in God's kingdom, and he has no business in God's kingdom. But he's running to and fro in God's kingdom because Christians don't understand how to walk, operate in the power and authority of places in their life. And that allows it's, God sees it in our lives and tries to stir us up. We're allowing that to happen. Now, I'm talking to y'all, some of y'all getting mad at me already. I'm talking about the church world, okay? So consider yourself, if you're not operating this way, that you're doing, you're headed in the right direction. If you're not, consider that God's speaking to you this morning, that we're, there's a direction we need to understand we need to be in. So here's the question for you to ponder. Ponder is, if Jesus is the head, Bishop and I talked last Sunday, and it really struck, if Jesus is the head and we are the body, let me stop. Do you agree the Scripture teaches that Jesus is the head of the church? Good. Okay. Do you agree that, Jesus, that the Bible teaches that we are the body of Jesus Christ? Okay. Does the head and the body ever operate separately? If the head and the body are separated, it's, it's, it's over. It's dead. So that tells me that if Jesus is the head and we're the body, if Jesus is sitting in high places over principalities and powers, where are we at? We're sitting right there with him over principalities and powers, all of those things. That's where we are, but that's not where we're living. That's not where we're living. He's in us. We talk about authority a lot. But do you understand what authority is? Let me explain authority to you. You go out on the freeway, and the sign says 70, and you drive 80. The authority pulls you over. And the authority has a conversation with you, and the authority gives you a little ticket, and you have to pay it. If you don't, the authority will come get you and put you in a little steel bar until you pay it. That's what authority is about. We have a thought. Listen, you ever thought about, you know, sometimes I'm driving down the road of life and the devil wants to pull me over thinking he's the authority. God's given me permission to drive 80 and a 70. Now, I don't, I'm not talking a physical freeway. Don't run out there and say, Pastor Don's that we can speed. In the spiritual life, God has given you permission and you operate in those arenas. You're not governed by someone else's authority. You're governed by his authority, and he gives you the authority that if the one that thinks he's in an authoritative position pulls you over, you ever wanted to just drive off from a cop when he was going to give you a ticket? You know, in the spirit, we've got that authority. The devil wants to pull you over and give you a ticket. He wants to tell you you're doing something you're not supposed to do when you're doing exactly what you want to do. And so you know what you do? Don't y'all go out there now and tell Pastor Don said I could just drive off. I'm talking spiritual here and not physical. Our authority says that we can say, you know what, devil? You don't have any authority here. I I I am part of the body, and the body is connected to the head, and if the head is sitting here, I'm part of the body sitting with the head. You know, the church is operating in disconnect. He's the head way up here, and we're the body way down here. Yes, it's the truth. 
That's how we're operating in the church today, in a disconnect. How, if the body alive is separate from the head, is the body alive? It's not asleep, it's dead. If the body is indeed connected to the head, then doesn't the body possess the power and authority given to it by the head? Paul uses a principle of head and body for a reason. When Everybody do this to me. The head made you do that. You didn't do that because I told you to. You'd have never done this had this brain up here, this head, say do that. Only, you only do that because your head sends the signal first. And when the head sends the signal, then the body follows. And it's the same thing in Jesus Christ that we're missing in the church. God is, God is sending, the head is sending signals. And he's telling us to do this, and we're doing this. Yeah, we're, we're not accepting the, because the, here's the deal. Every bit of the power and authority, I'm going to show you this. Every bit of the power and authority that Jesus had as a man in this world, you have. Every bit of it. You're just not the perfect sacrifice. Other than that, you have the authority and the power that the head has given you. You have it. So let's take a quick look at power and authority of the head. What, what is that? Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, uh, you know, all, all power. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Heaven here, the abode of when you look up the word, it says sky, then it's the abode of God. Well, let's see. Where does God live? Well, you know, he lives in us, right? Okay. But where does God exist? Everywhere. All power, Jesus said, is given unto me everywhere. In heaven and in earth. There's not a place that I don't possess power. Jesus is the head of the body. Everywhere. We have power and authority. And this is going to start our series because there's a place God's really wanting to take our church to. He really wants to take the, the worldwide church to. The Greek word here for power is exosia, and it means privilege. Now, this power. All power is given unto me. You understand that Jesus was a physical man. Jesus was both man and God. At no point in the history of, ma of man uh, or in the, in the will of God, had any man held the authority and power of God as a human? That never existed. It wasn't Abraham. It wasn't anybody. Just go back. No man ever held as a human this kind of authority and power. That's why Jesus said, I am given. And what he's saying here to the Jew is, listen, for the first time in the history of the Jews, there's a man standing in front of you that has every authority and power that the Almighty God is. That's what he's explaining to them. It wasn't that God was over here and said, here you go, and Jesus. And Jesus said, thank you. That, that's, not, that's not correct. Understand that it has to do with spirit and flesh. So there was power and, and, and spirit in people in the Old Testament. God moved on them. Samson wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger walking around looking for trouble. He didn't walk around strong, bold, and big. and That wasn't him. Only when the spirit came on him. Did he perform the things that he did? Only. And it's the same thing. Prophets didn't walk around, and every time they saw somebody at the grocery store, prophesy to them. Came home, hey, hey, honey, how you doing? Prophesy to her. Hey, kids, come here. Prophesy to you. 
Prophets prophesied according to the move of the Spirit on them. No, no one ever possessed the power. It was placed on them. Now we possess a power because Jesus is the head and we're the body. We possess a power no man has ever possessed. Well, you're looking at, okay, let's keep going. All power is given unto me. What does the word power mean? Privilege. Force. Capacity. Competency. Freedom. Mastery, superhuman, potentate. That's what this word means. Jesus said, all that's given to me is a human. See, a lot of times we see Jesus and we know who he was, the perfect, the perfect human being. And we say, well, we're not perfect and so we don't possess. And that's where the church has fallen back. We possess in spite of the fact that we're not perfect. There's something in us. This power was manifest when Jesus spoke in Matthew 9 and 8. But when the multitude saw it, everybody saw what Jesus, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Wait a minute. How's this happening? This could only happen if God gave this power unto men. No human had ever exercised the power that Jesus exercised. And I'm talking to you about your authority, okay, your authority and power. Understand the authority and power that you hold as a Christian. Philippians 2 and 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. The name of Jesus, of things in heaven, of things in earth, things under. The word under there in the Greek means subterranean, infernal, belonging to the world of departed spirits. So no matter where you go in the existence of anything, that every knee should bow to Jesus. He hold, Why is that? What, what is the significance of bow, the knee bowing? Come on, y'all going to talk with me or I'm going to stop. Submission. When you bow your knee, submission. Okay? What else is significant about bowing your knee to someone? Worship. Y'all ever seen where, you know, this, this gets off with me because I'm just, the English are almost as bad as the French to me. If you're English or French, don't take offense, by the way. Every time someone walks into the castle and goes before the queen, what do they do? Why are they doing that? Reverency? Acknowledgement? You're the queen? You're the authority? Respect? All those things. Humility? All those things. You understand there's an authority and a power that you walk in. That the devils, when they come around you, they're supposed to go, oh, oh, that's one of those Jesus, at the name of Jesus. Why do you think one of the reasons that, the, the, that Jesus said, be baptized in my name is about? When you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you now have the authority of his name. And if, if the devils are going to bow to Jesus, they're going to bow to you. See, a lot of us have grown up being afraid of the devils. Well, let's don't challenge the devil because he'll really come at us. Now, I've heard people say that. Man, don't, don't ask for that. You'll get what you're asking for. Okay. That's what I'm asking for. He has, those devils have no authority in my life unless God allows it. Consider my servant Job. The devil had no permission, no place in Job's life until God brought it up. Don't be afraid. You understand your power and authority here. 
if, if the devil comes into your life, understand something. God trusts you enough to believe you're going to go through it. That's why he said, consider my servant Job. He said, listen, I, devil, I have confidence in that man. He's shown me that regardless of what you throw at him, save, take his life. He, still, he may question. He may want to know answers. But the bottom line is, Job is going to stick with me. And so the devil said, all right, let's go for it. And we all know the story. We all know the story. Understand something about your power and authority. God wants to have that same relationship with you and I to where he can say, oh, you know what? Consider, devil, consider, don't get, consider my servant Scott. Now, we think of Job's life, we think, oh, my Lord, is all that going to happen? It could. The problem is, because we don't understand power and authority, we take it as evil. We give the devil credit. The devil receives no credit for what happened in Job's life whatsoever. Nothing. That was all the allowance of God to show the devil, listen, my people aren't what you think they are. And when you have the name of Jesus on your life, understand something. You're not who he thinks you are. He thinks you're a wimp. But at the name of Jesus, you understand? here's what I like about my name is Donald Lee Biddick Jesus. Yep, yep. I am his bride. I took his name. And so along with that comes the authority and power of his name. Jesus holds authority over principalities. The Greek word archae for principalities means a chief or a magistrate, you know, someone in first estate. Powers, again, the Greek word here for powers is that same exousia. He, Jesus holds authority over anybody in any place, in any capacity that thinks they have the privilege and force and freedom and majesty. He holds power over all of that. There, there are those that think they have power over you. They just think they do. They, they, they think they have majesty over you. They just think they do. And why do they think they do? Because you let them. No one can ever make you feel bad about yourself unless you allow it. No one ever can make you feel like a loser unless you allow it. Nobody can ever make you think you're, you're junk unless you allow it. And the problem is many of us do that. We allow it because it gives us life. How many people in the old church that we came from that every time I said, how are you doing today? Oh, Lord, let me just tell you about my. And you know what? Their whole life was about their problem. And I've had this back problem for 35 years now. And I know that, you know, and you know what? God heals them. and They don't have a story anymore. Their whole life is that. It's why? Because we allow that kind of, we allow the devil to do that to us. We allow our own flesh to do things to us. And to understand something, we have authority and power over that. We shouldn't be allowing that kind of stuff in our life because it hinders what God's trying to do. So what, what I want to do is just to establish an immediate understanding that Jesus holds all power, all dominion, all authority, and rule over all creation. Would you all agree with that? Not a trick question. Jesus holds all authority over everything that exists. Bishop said something when we were talking that just really fried my brain. <clears throat> the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. And so if you click a light on, every second it goes 186,000 miles. Now, it takes a long time to, 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 from Earth to shine a light and it go to the edge of the universe. It takes a long time. 
But when you pray, the Bible says, as soon as you pray it, it's at the edge of the universe. As soon as you pray it, that prayer is at the edge of the universe. It's faster than the speed of light. Say again. There's no time. There's no essence in that, that world of spirit. But see, what the devil's done is he's tricked us into thinking we don't have that kind of power. We don't have that kind of authority. We can't do that. When, when, if Jesus is the head of the church and he holds all the power, guess what the body holds? All the power. All the power. Some of us are getting afraid. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this authority that you have as a believer. Many think that they're walking in the power and authority of God when they're really not. Many Christians think they're walking in the power and authority of God when they're really not. Many people think that. They aren't even Christians. You turn to Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva. They saw the power and authority in Jesus' name because they, they saw Paul cast out devils. What did they do? I mean, these, these guys said, hey, man, that, that's a cool thing. So they went out and found another guy they knew in town was devil-possessed. And so they came up to him and said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. Now, here's the authority and power of the name of Jesus. The devil said, the devil that was in that guy said, listen, Jesus I know. Paul I know. He connected them together. The devil understood the authority of the head and the body. He said, but you know what? You're not part of that body. I don't know you. And tore them to pieces. Ripped their clothes off. Ran them out of town. See, there's an authority and a power we don't understand simply in a name. But it grows. it's greater than that because if you're the body, it's even greater. Because the devil recognizes that when you're in the body, there's an authority in the name and there's an authority you hold. There's an authority you hold in that name. Your authority believer is a believer, and I'll continue on here. It's rooted, your authority is rooted, your authority is rooted in the authority of Jesus Christ. It's rooted. So let's, let's talk about our position in Jesus because we've got to understand our position in Jesus. Otherwise, the devil runs amok in our life. When we don't understand, that's, you know, my people perish what for a lack of? You've got to understand some things. And when you understand them, you can walk in them. The worst thing to do is think you understand something and walk in it. There, there's a commercial out, out that's, that really touches this. And it's a comedian, and, and, and it's people that are wanting to get a house and get a loan. And they, they, they think this is, oh, you, you think it's that. So, yeah, I, I, so they're in an airplane, and this guy has a backpack on, and he says, well, I think that's a parachute, and pushes him out. Oh, wait a minute. There's a bear coming at this group of people, and he says, I think we can just walk slowly, and he takes off running because there's a lot of things we think that aren't the right thing. We think it, but we're not, we're not even, it's because we don't understand our position. And the devil just, man, he gets all this stuff going because of one word. Don't take offense, but it's ignorance. It's not stupidity. Ignorance is you don't know. Stupid is you know, but you do the opposite anyway. So I'm not tell, saying that we're stupid. What I'm saying, well, sometimes Don's stupid. I know and I still. But by and large, what's happening is in the church world is we're acting out of ignorance because we just don't realize and understand who we are. So 
you, you, first, you're raised now, not later. We are raised now. Many people are looking. Man, we, we can't wait till the rapture. Man, who, who's ready for the rapture? Man, I, I am. But you know what? Part of me has already been raptured. Part of him, he's already been raised. The soul that's in you when you're born again goes from death to life. What's that called? That's resurrection. That's, so part of you is already there, and that's the born-again experience where bodies are going to catch up one day or another. It's going to happen, either through what we call the rapture or if we die, through what we call the rapture. But one way or the other, it's going to happen. So we have to understand this now, but we are raised now, the Bible says, and seated with Jesus, not behind him, not below him, not above him, not away from him. We're seated with him in these heavenly places. Stop for a second. We're seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, quickened word quickened means made alive, us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. We're made, we're, we are already, do you ever consider that you're sitting in a heavenly place right now, spiritually? You ever consider that? You're sitting in a, no, no, I'm sitting in a worldly place. That's our problem. We're still trying to, we're trying to overcome this world. You know what? Jesus has already overcome this world, and because I sit with him in heavenly places, I've already overcome it. What's happening is I keep stepping back to it. If I'll just quit doing that, I've overcome it and keep going forward, then I'm going to understand my position with Jesus Christ. But we've got to understand some things about just, just what our position is with Jesus. <clears throat> you know, I, I think it appears that many people are just sitting in the wrong chair. They think they're sitting with Jesus, but they're in the wrong chair. The church has just played musical chairs with the devil. Man, the devil will put you over here, and then the song goes. And you ever play that game? And they take one chair away, and so somebody's out. You know the devil plays that game with us all the time, musical chairs. We, we think we're this. Oh, that's not it. And while he's playing his little music, we're running around, and he pulls one of the chairs out. And sooner or later, it comes down to there's just one chair left, and there's two of you involved. Somebody's out. And understand this, the devil wants to play musical chairs with your life when you don't understand your position in God. So he, you know, so does the world. The world plays that same game with us. Our own flesh plays musical chairs with us. You ever been torn between the flesh and the spirit? You knew, you know, Paul said it the best. Man, the things that I know to do, musical chair, I don't do them. And the things that I know, I musical chair, I do the things I shouldn't be doing. I'm messed up. And I'm, if there was ever a messed up Christian in the Bible, it was Paul. Paul. And Paul would readily tell you that. I'm a messed up dude, but thank God I have Jesus Christ. I thank God I have Jesus Christ because that raises me to a new level. It's not me. It's him. My authority is him. When I walk in his authority, it's not me at all. I'll show you something in the Scripture here that tells us why that's true. As Jesus sits on the throne, you understand Jesus sitting on the throne, but it's not a physical throne, right? You, okay. What was you know? I, I came. I believe there was three thrones in heaven when I came up as a kid. Church that that God sat in the middle throne, and Jesus sat on the right hand throne, and the Holy Ghost sat on the left hand throne. Yeah, that's how messed up I was. 
Now, if you believe that, I'm not calling you messed up. Just understand, you're messed up. Because the throne is a, the throne is, is, a, is, a, is in an indication of authority. Whoever sits on the throne is in absolute power and an absolute authority. Jesus sits on the throne. He sits on the throne with his body connected to him who is also sitting on the throne. If Jesus is on the throne, you're on the throne. If Jesus is on the throne, you're on the throne. You see where we've messed it up? We've, we've come up and we've kind of, let's just cut ourselves loose from the head because we don't think, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't belong there. I don't have the right to be there. Correct. You don't belong there. Yeah, I don't have the right. Correct. You don't have the right to be there. All of that comes from him, not you and not me. It all comes from him. This is what he's given us to understand about where we are. So our union with Jesus Christ is the foundation of our position in the kingdom. There are people, Jesus said, that operated in the kingdom. They cast out devils. They did all this stuff. But Jesus said, here's the problem. You and I didn't have a union. The seven sons of Sceva weren't born-again Christians. They didn't have a union with Jesus, but they exercised what they thought they had the power of, and it was just the power of the name. You, you know, that's why speaking is very important. The power of the name alone is very powerful. But when you're in union with the power, when you're in union with the name, understand that we're in that union. That's why we're the body. Again, your authority as a believer is rooted in the authority of Jesus Christ. And our authority is threefold. Luke 10 and 19 says we have authority over our enemy to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, we have scorpions at our house, and we have snakes at our house, but I don't bring those to church for you all to handle them. We're not that kind of church. We need to understand what he's saying here. The Greek word for serpent is ophis. It means an artful or malicious person. A sly or cunning person. That's what it means. The Greek word for scorpions is scorpius, and it means a one who pierces or stings. So those that are picking up and sharing and all that stuff, they totally miss Scripture. We have to understand something, that we have the authority over any person or thing that's malicious, that's artful and sly, because, you know, that's what the devil is, very artfully, very sly. And, and, and a lot of times, you know... <laughs> It's when you, if you want to be sly and artful and, con, and confuse a person and get over on them, find the dumbest person you can find. Find the most ignorant person you can find. They're more susceptible. They have no, they have no root to hold on to. There's no grounding. And so that's why there's an every wind of doctrine. You know, the Scripture says that there are those that every wind of doctrine comes along, they grab it. That's where the devil's using his sly and artful measure. And then he pierces their heart with unbelief and he pierces their heart with untruth and he pierces their heart with falsehood and the scripture says we have authority and power over that that should not be going on in our life uh those things that they're just agents of the devil romans 16 and 20 says the lord puts satan under your feet we know the scripture says that till till he puts satan under his feet but see if you read Romans 16 and 20, you understand something. He said that it's coming soon that, that the devil is going to be under your feet. You hold this legal authority over the devil. That's, that's what putting something someone under your feet. You ever done that? You know, back in the day, the fighting days, 
if you ever got somebody on the ground and you could put your, hand, your foot on their neck or on their head, you had them. Because when they reached out to grab your leg, all you do is smash down a little harder. And they would, I'm just speaking from experience. God forgive me. He's that's under the blood, but I'm just giving you a little something in your mind. And anytime when, when I did that and somebody would reach to grab my leg to try to grip me, I'd just push down a little harder. And you know what? As long as I kept pushing down on that head, boy, oh, okay, 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 just get off my head. So we have to understand something. The devil, sometimes we just need to put the foot on it and just start pushing. Push down. I'm afraid of him. Yeah, that's ignorant. That's ignorant to be afraid of the devil. Understand, he wields a power in this world. He is the prince and the power of the heir of this world. But he is not the prince. And the, My Bible tells me that Jesus is my prince. He's my power. He only has that authority and rule over those who don't know Jesus. That's where his power and all of that it wields itself here in this world. He doesn't have that power over you and I. So, you know, I know sometimes we don't think we give the devil power when, we, when sometimes we just release it to him. Just release it to him. You're, you hold legal authority over the devil. He's not free to do his will in your life. That's your position in Jesus Christ. The devil is not free to do his will. Only God can give him that freedom. And know this, if God gave him that freedom, God trusts you. And God's bringing you to something. We were talking earlier, too. The reason God gives you grace, the measure of grace for your situation, and it's daily, the reason he does that is that grace means God says, yeah, yeah you're going to go through that. Here's the grace to do it. Are you having a difficulty in something right now? God's giving you grace to overcome it because here's the deal. You've already overcome. You just haven't used the grace. When the grace is there for you to push through, pass through, put your head on, put your foot on the head, press down, make him squeal like a pig. You know, devil likes to run into pigs. Let's make him squeal like one then. So Psalm 91 13, thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. He is not talking about animals here. He's talking about the agents of the devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. Now, then we are ambassadors. Stop. Ambassadors. What is an ambassador? Well, we, we know what our government calls an ambassador. But what does the Greek word for ambassador mean? To be a senior, to act as a representative preacher. That's what the word ambassador means here, to be a senior. What is it? What, who is the senior executive in a business? Who's the senior executive? Top dog. You're an ambassador. You are the senior executive in this thing. We are ambassadors of, of God. We're a we act as his representative. What's a representative? We elect them every six years. It's ridiculous because they're not representing us. Right? You understand that now, right? I understand we are representatives of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We have his authority. We have his power. If a representative goes in, why do we elect representatives from Texas to go to, uh, to, to D.C.? They're supposed to speak for us, right? So we know that's, that's not valid. But think about this. If we're, we're supposed to speak for him, why? Because we are his body. We're supposed to speak for him. 
Pre- and the last part is preacher. Y'all, I know y'all think of me as, well, so, the title is preacher here. So, some of you have different opinions. The scripture says we're all preachers. And there's not a single person sitting under the sound of my voice that's not a preacher. You're all preachers. Yeah, what we did in the old church was that a preacher was somebody that held a special title. When preacher is the ministry of the gospel, we're all responsible for the ministry of the gospel, every one of us. And, and so the whole thing is that 2 Corinthians 6 and 20, now, then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you on Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. As Jesus, Jesus lays his, as he, man, Jesus laid hands on people and they recovered from sickness. He laid hands on them and, and devils left. He, he, all of this, and that's the authority that you and I have. Not what we're supposed to be walking in. We have it. It's just we're not walking in it. <clears throat> what do you think the national news would be if we were to go down to MD Anderson in Houston, it's a cancer, and walk in there and exercise our authority and power and watch it actually happen? What do you think the national news would be? Religious nuts come and clean out church, uh, hospital. It won't be. That, that's how they see it. But what's the real headline? Body walks in authority and power. The body walks. That's the real headline. Because that's the intent. Jesus said, listen, my time is done here. I've got to go. So greater works will you do than me because I, I've got to go. As a matter of fact, you won't do those greater works until after I go. Because you're going to have that in, in you. I'm going to come and be in you. I've been with you, he told those around him. I've been with you. You know who he is. That's me. Now going to be in you. And so the authority and power rests inside what just in he's in us. As we go through this series, we're going to investigate some arenas of life where our authority is in demand. This world need some authority of Christianity in it. There's an authority that's in demand that we're not exercising. There's a power that's in demand. It's needed. What I mean by demand, it's needed. And so there's an authority in our lives that's needed in our world, needed in our homes, needed in our church. There's power that all of this is needed. But, it, you know, not only is it needed, it's necessary. It's necessary. The church is not a dead organism, and the church is not a lifeless body, but it's the body of Jesus Christ. I'm just, this is a foundational thing, so I know this is stuff we all know, but we need to understand this, grasp this, because what we're about to go into in this series, I hope, you know, I pray to God that it opens our understanding and realization, because I think some of us understand it, but there's a realization of the need and the demand for it that, that causes us to go do something about it because that's where God is with us in our church. He's ready for us to go do something about it. That's why, you know, I entitled this, you know, it's, it's time to step up. We're connected to the head. We operate by the head. The body and the head are not separate, fitly joined together. Uh, and listen, we understand this. i got a couple of minutes. We, we live in a day of seducing spirits. Seducing spirits. 
You know, it's, it's part of what the Scripture said is the last days. But seducing spirits have been here forever. But what, what is the deal? There's, in, in the end, there's a recognition of seducing spirits that I'm limited now on the time that I have. And so I've got to increase. I've got to increase. Here's the thing. We think that about the devil because we think the devil knows God's mind. And we think the devil knows when God, God knows the end of time, right? The devil don't. God knows when the Lord's going to return in the rapture. The devil doesn't. And so what we pin on the devil is we give him this authority in our life to say, okay, he's getting stronger and better. It's been the same the whole time. The devils haven't multiplied. They, they haven't had children. Been the same amount the whole time. But here's the thing you got to understand. When Adolf Hitler died, the devil that was in him went to somebody else. And if he performed that in the 30s and 40s, he's going to perform it to a greater challenge because there's success and evil. There's success and evil. That's sad, but there's success and evil. So we have to understand some things. There are seducing spirits here that want to What is a seducing spirit? Simply a spirit that leads you away, especially from, and this is, this is the actual definition, especially from the path of right by flattering promises. Now, let me tell you again what a seducing spirit is. To lead you away, especially from the path uh, uh, of right by flattering promises. Seducing spirits. The world, the church world is contaminated with the seducing spirits. The world, the church world is contaminated by seducing spirits. Wanting to lead you away from what's right with what? Flattering promises. If you'll do this, God, you ever heard this one? God said this, and so you know, God is responsible to His Word. He is. But because God said this, He has to do this in my life. He has to. He has no choice. You ever heard that one? You ever heard that one? Well, there's a lot of the seducing spirits out there that will make you think something about God because that's how He started this whole thing. Hey, Eve, hath God not said that's what a seducing spirit does. Takes God's word, but then, you know, because what did he do? He, he flattered her. You know, God really doesn't want you to do that because, after all, you will become God like him. That's flattery. I could become God too? That's flattery. That's what seducing It's very subtle, but it's what seducing spirits. And that goes on in, in the church world today because what we hear is such flattering things. Well, if you'll just say, Lord, I'm sorry, and change your ways, you'll go, go to heaven. That's a form of flattery. That's telling you you have the authority over sin without Jesus. That's a form of flattery. You understand how seducing spirits work. They don't come up and knock on your door. Hey, seducing spirit here. I'm ready to pull you away from what you believe. Doesn't happen. So let, let me end with this. I, I don't want to go to false teachers along with seducing spirits. They're all, they're all going to be in this last day. So we just have to be aware of that. We have to be aware that that's going on. Don't think that seducing spirits don't come to your house. Don't think that seducing spirits don't come to you. I'm telling you every week, you need to take your Bible, and after this is preached or taught, you need to get your Bible and you need to read it. Because seducing spirits are going to take what Pastor Don said, and they're going to come in and say, well, 
uh, that's not really what he said. You're going to remember it differently. Now, I'm going to ask Bishop to do this. It's actually going on my next deal. There's, there's five or six perception in a conversation, and I'm going to ask him to say that. You know what? Let's end with this. Can you, can you, would you mind doing that, Bishop? Do you, am I putting you on the spot? This. I want to end with this because I want you to understand who you. Here, here's the conversation. Anytime you're talking to a person, there's six conversations going on. There's what you said, what you meant to say, and what you thought you said. And there is what they heard, what they thought they heard, and what they thought you meant. All the time. That's, that's every conversation you take. One conversation. One other point. Jesus said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by no means shall harm you. So we got power, and the devil's got power, but we don't have the same power. The power that he gives us is exousia, authority. The power he gives the devil is dunamis. That's dynamite. We get our word dynamite. So we have authority over all the devil's powers and abilities. It's time we exercised authority. What's that? What I said, what I thought I said, what I meant to say. What you heard, what you thought you heard, what you thought I meant. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.